Elvis, 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 Hi guys, welcome to Elvis has left the movies. It's that time. Today we're talking about harem scarum. We've done it. What do you have? What do you have to say about it, Matt? How do you feel about harem scarum? I don't know if anyone knows this, but this movie is bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Yes. So just just a heads up for the audience, like this is just going to be pretty much Matt and I just dunking on this movie for the next foreseeable 40 minutes with some factoids sprinkled in thanks to matt probably um which is honestly more than this movie deserves let's just say really yeah it is it is (laughs) it it really is Uh, also like matt and i both admittedly were pretty checked out watching this movie so there's a lot of shit that i just don't remember it's only because matt took notes about the ending that we're gonna even remember what the the friggin ending of this movie is yeah i watched it literally as we're recording this morning. It's the first thing I did. I woke up. Yeah. I put on Harem Scarum because I said, let's get it out of the way. And then I finished doing that. And now we're here. <laughs> hours, hours later. And I have yeah. written some stuff down that I shall have to consult to be like, okay, what? What What part of the movie did you realize as you were watching it? Did you like say in your mind, oh. Because I remember what part of the movie that I was like, oh. <laughs> when I was watching it. Okay, the first thing, this thing, okay, so, actually, wait, no, I want to set the scene before anything else. Okay. Because this is the last movie from 65. Sad. Out of the three movies that were released, because there were just three movies a year for these freaking things. Yeah, it's another Norman Torog. Uh, no, it's not. Oh, I must have been confused. Never mind then. Ignore that. <laughs> we can't We can't blame him this time. It's not his fault. Amazing. That's, so I, I'm shocked. Yeah, Harem Scarum, 1965. It came out November 24th, 1965. It's an MGM movie. And this is the first movie that Elvis filmed after officially turning 30 years old. And boy, does he look it. (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to Elvis. It's just that even Elvis looks like he does not want to be in this fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Like there were a lot of scenes during this this film where like Elvis just, I don't know, maybe he was tired or maybe he realized he was in a fucking steaming pile of garbage and was just as checked out as we were watching it. Because that's certainly what it felt like. He didn't do... It's like, I don't think it's his worst performance. I just think that he didn't want to be in this movie. I don't think anybody wanted this movie to happen. Yeah, I don't know who... I don't think this, anyone Why they this. Every yeah. step of the way, they just went, I guess we'll just commit to it instead of pull, like, you know, canceling it all outright. Yeah. They, it was too yeah. late. Too much work had been done and they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't backtrack. Yeah. Because, yeah, he his birthday is January and then they filmed this in March... From March, April, 1965. Yeah. So he's officially past us. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. He's 30. We'll be, we'll be catching up to him. Yeah, soon. But yeah, just to think, everything he's done up to this point, he accomplished by the time he was 29. I, I was actually looking at, like, I was trying to send you a, a funny Elvis gif. And, like, as I was looking through all of these gifts, it really just kind of dawned on me. I was like, man, this was, like, a little baby. This was, like, a little baby child, baby person. And then... They were like a little teenager and then they just got famous and then just spent like all of their young, really young life just doing this. Yeah. And like, that's crazy to think about sometimes. 
fucking I would have been on Quaaludes too, man. Jesus. <laughs> it's rough. So the synopsis for this film states, an American singer is enlisted by sinister forces to assassinate an Arab king whose daughter he has fallen in love with. Um, cool. Here, here are the two positives that I will throw in. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm like borderline. I didn't have any. Yeah, I didn't have any positives. So I'm interested to hear what they are. Positive one. This movie is 85 yeah. minutes. Well, yeah, that's... It is only a few seconds longer than Viva Las Vegas. So it's the second shortest of any Elvis movie out of all 31. Yes. Does it feel like it? No. It feels like it's two hours. But at the very least, you look at the clock and you haven't actually wasted that much time. It just felt like you did, but it's only been 85 minutes. Yeah, I'm going to recommend that nobody watch this movie. No. Zero out of 10. Don't waste your time. I just want to say, that's one thing. And the other thing, which is the thing when when we kept like teasing like all oh, this movie's coming out all oh, this movie's coming out he's an american character he does not play yes. a middle eastern man that in i am happy for that but the 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 caveat to that yes is that every almost every i'm not sure you're going to tell us the facts i'm sure but almost all of the actors that are portraying people from the middle east or from indochina wherever the fucking this thing is supposed to be set because it takes place in a fictional country too yeah yeah they just make so up they're mixing they're mixing middle eastern and indo chinese stuff and let me just say that none of those fucking people are from any of that kind of background no not and not even the close. way that they portray those people is super offensive super d duper offensive so offensive oh god <laughs> it was like so here's bad. the here's the most r- weird thing Instead of just making an Arabian Nights style adventure caper and setting it in the past, yeah. it's set in the present day, which was like 1965, yeah. but it just happens to be some weird isolated kingdom that lives That's as been, if it was 2,000 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Why bother with that? Yeah. 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 Uh, anyways. So I am happy that Elvis didn't pretend to be a race that he was not no. but i'm it it doesn't save that from happening in the movie because every other character does it yes but yeah i'm glad elvis you know those are the only and those so yeah those are like both um positives but with a big asterisk next to it so like yeah, really there's asterisk. nothing good going on here which is kind of like i just want to for my own sake just point out the fact that you know Somewhere down the line, there was probably some sensitivity guy that was like, Elvis probably shouldn't be, you know, that guy. Let's not kid ourselves. There was no such position back in the day. Well, no, but there was probably somebody around who was like, maybe this is, I don't think Elvis should pretend to be a brown guy. Maybe that's probably not a good look. Maybe it was never the intention from the beginning. Maybe he was always just supposed to play a Hollywood actor. Could be. Who knows? Could be. But the issue is that, for me anyway, that they couldn't extend that to native people because Elvis still had to be a fucking half native person. And he'll do it in, one more time and before do it we're again. done. I'll do it again. <laughs> just try God. me. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> right? Anyway, I just wanted to remind all of us about that fact. Yes. one We've gone past this hurdle. This was the one we yeah. kept dreading. And now we get to dread the real dread. Yeah. Which luckily we... We'll probably not have to deal with at least for the rest of this year. I'm as hoping, as my yeah. Scheduling I have planned out. Yeah. We're gonna put it off as far as possible, so it might be you might have to wait <laughs> until January of next year for that, and that's fine. 
No rush. S- start the new year on the right foot. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> so, I'll, so wait. Synopsis, you want? I'll tell you. Here's yeah. the thing that caught my eye. Okay. This is because you were like, when did you first yeah, be like? When? Okay. So. The movie starts and it's it's like a big auditorium and a, there's a big party going on because they're they're premiering his latest film. Yeah. Which is called something like Adventures in the Sands or whatever. So we see like Elvis doing some swashbuckling and he's fighting some dudes and saving a damsel and then it's the the end pops up and everyone goes yay clap 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 clap. Yeah. And then the curtains close, but because the screen is obviously just composited onto the shot, the curtains close, but they don't close over the screen. The image of the movie stays on top of the curtains closing. And then just uh. fades away, <laughs> which is probably a detail that not, you know, no one's looking for that. But that jumped out at me because no, I'm just that's, like, that's where you knew. Yikes. That's really bad. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. You couldn't have just faded <laughs> it off and then made sure and then closed the curtain. No, like they did not care. So that's when I knew that they were just going to, they were just doing it. Like, just go, go, go. Yeah. You could definitely tell too that like budget was an issue in this movie. Mm. Like you could really tell, you know, there was just the the sets were Part of the reason I had a hard time engaging was because the sets were just really the most boring color of beige I've ever had to stare at for 85 minutes. Yes. There's a part where they're like, they're galloping about and there's just a bunch of greenery and it doesn't make any sense because they've established it's just a desert, but I didn't care because I'm like, at least it looks interesting because there's trees and yeah. stuff, but I'm like, where are we? What's the geography? Who cares? What's happening? There were Yeah, there were a lot of moments for me. I don't remember much of the beginning, so maybe there was some some red flags that I didn't notice because I was already checked out. But right around the time the sidekick character showed up mm-hmm. and started doing that super bad interpretation of a Middle Eastern man was when I was like, oof. Yes. Oof. It got, and it just, it, that, it got worse. It got. It's, it's in the third it, act where he starts, he's, there's a few times where he goes, oh, Allah, help me. And I went, oh. Yeah. I got like a whole yeah. body like convulsion. Yeah. Oh. Okay. There, for me particularly, it was the part where he's like trying to steal Elvis's wallet, and I was like, "Really, really? Come on, man!" And the other big oof for me that was like, it wasn't like as cringy as the the racial interpretation, but it was just like so fucking stupid that I realized that the people who made this movie were actually impaired somehow on drugs or some other such nonsense was that Elvis like breaks into the palace and he like runs into a girl and he's like, what are you, what is all these things and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I don't know. I'm just a slave girl. It's like, wow. <laughs> wow. It's so stupid. I'm just a slave. We're all just slaves in the harem because Orientalism. Mm, I'm a slave girl. I don't really want it, but I kind of want it because I'm a slave. I'm just a slave. Oh. Uh, I have a note here. I wrote, <laughs> oof, the songs are coming fast and furious. There's three songs within the first seven minutes. Yeah. And I, we were talk, we talk a little bit, just a touch about the movie before we get into the actual recording of the podcast. And I said that not every song in this movie is the worst song by Elvis. There's at least one. A lot of them are. Yes. But there's at least one. Do we want to- yeah, there was there was actually a few. Okay, and we'll get me, we'll get to the songs in like a second. A, yeah. yeah, there was like a handful that 
you know, I was like, oh, that's interesting. You're doing something interesting there with the song. That's kind of cool. Kind of the same way that Alcapoco had a vibe check. Yeah. You know, these some of these songs had a vibe check, but a lot of these songs did not. And that's it was one uh, it was one or two of these songs that I was watching where I was like, yikes, Elvis looks like he doesn't want to be in this movie anymore. In that opening scene, too, because they're dressed up for like a gala, he's wearing like a white tux. Yeah. I made a note. He looks, he's he's dressed up exactly like Indy in the opening to Temple of Doom when they're in that club. <laughs> That's funny. So that was kind of fun. Oh, God. Yeah. Let's talk about the fucking costumes. Okay. Let's what move on to that. Segue, Matt. Yeah. Holy shit. Are the costumes so offensive, so stupid, so outrageous? There's such a caricature of a stereotype. Like, the women are all white, first of all. They're all oh, yeah. white. They're everyone's all just white. American women. Every, well, yeah, everyone's white. Um, <laughs> you could put a beard and, and that doesn't matter. It's like, wow. Yeah. It, they literally all look like they're dressed like the harem girls from the animated Aladdin movie. Like, they're all dressed in that super stereotypical fashion. And you can you can just tell looking at them, they're so costumey. And it, it's just like, it's like if somebody who one time saw a movie that had one Middle Eastern person in it, and then that person drew a picture of that and then gave it to a fucking designer, and then the designer drew another picture and then made a costume out of it. That's what it fucking looks like. It's so stupid, shitty, and dumb. I have it in my <laughs> trivia, because we could step into that a bit, that apparently some of these costumes were from one movie from 1939 and one movie from 1944. So that's why they didn't even bother like updating yeah. anything. They're just like, hey, we did some old like sword and sandals pictures back in the day. Let's just freaking get those out of the closet, dust them off and put them on. That's so sad. Yeah. Anyway, that's Harem Scarum. Thank you guys for joining <laughs> us in this week's podcast. Oh, if only, if only. <laughs> Who's responsible for this? Wait, I just want to mention those two songs. Uh, two, All right. Those two movies I yeah. just mentioned are... Oh, actually, no, that's what it says. Costumes were from the 1944 movie Kismet, which, of course, is the name of one of the songs, Kismet. Ah, yeah, Kismet. And apparently Elvis Presley's knife, which I don't even remember him specifically having, like, a I remember him special having knife. Okay, well, anyways. Yeah. That one is apparently a prop from the 1939 movie Lady of the Tropics. Hmm. Once again, I didn't bother verifying this. This is what it said on the internet. So. I don't think anything needs to be verified with this movie. Fuck this movie. I'm just going to trust it implicitly. We talked about Elvis, his salary last movie, about him taking a pay cut but then getting 50 yes. percent of the profits yeah for this movie they paid him one million dollars holy shit so i think which says I here mean, for the one and only time i think that was part of they're like come on you're gonna do it and he's like i don't want to do it and they said one million dollars yeah and he said fine i now i will say like i get that elvis was probably under a lot of pressure like we just discussed his whole life was probably a lot considering how fucking famous he was but for christ's sake if you're getting paid a million dollars like you could have just put a smidgen of a little more effort into it man just a, just a little bit i know he was probably not maybe he didn't like this movie maybe he didn't want to do a good job in this movie but this movie might have been just a little less unbearable if i had felt like elvis was there to help me through it you yeah. know there was no, there was no just, lifeline. He just wasn't. Time. He just wasn't. Yeah. Here's another fun fact. Okay. I guess we're getting into. The, we'll get to just do the factoids up front. Let's change it All up. Right. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, 
this movie a backwards format for a backwards movie sure exactly <laughs> since this is so short it was well i mean a lot of movies too they didn't have to be 85 minutes but this was a double bill apparently when it was released i see and apparently it was paired with as a double feature Ghidorah, the three-headed monster from 1964 that's fucking weird which god i wish we were talking about that instead man <laughs> any of those old school like the, the godzillas and the Ghidorahs and the gamoras yeah, all those monster movies are so great yeah uh but no yeah yeah colonel tom parker okay haven't talked about that boy in a while yeah haven't talked about that fucking asshole in a hot minute he suggested introducing a talking camel into this movie well you know (laughs) (laughs) we like to harp on him but for once for once if they had gone with it i actually might have liked it more if they had had a talking camel i might have been like well at least there's a talking camel that would have been one of the things i said at the beginning i said there's three good points it's really short he doesn't play a million instrument. Also, those are talking and camel. And talking camel. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Some of the film was based on Rudolph Valentino's 1921 movie, The Sheik. The Sheik? Yeah. I still haven't seen that. That movie just got a new Blu-ray release because it's the, you know, 100th anniversary. Pretty cool. 1921, 2021. And speaking of uh, Orientalism, The Sheik is part of the problem. That movie is, is bad. Really rough. It's is very bad. Yeah. Super bad. We like it, well, just like wait, I've wait. Dropped, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I, I've dropped the word a couple of times now and I just want to clarify what it means. So Orientalism is this concept of fetishizing I think I'm getting this right. If I'm not, you know, feel free to, to tell me off. But the, the concept basically is that there was a time period in which Europeans were not granted full and unlimited access to every culturally significant piece of anything that the Middle East had to offer. You know, they weren't allowed into harems. They weren't allowed to do a bunch of cultural stuff. And then that kind of trickled down, that attitude towards being denied you know, the privilege of doing so trickled down into this misrepresentation of Middle Eastern culture and Indo-Chinese culture as well in modern media. And The Sheik is one of those movies that really helped propel that idea that like harems are full of wanton sexual women who are like sex slaves. And they're yeah, just they like, just want to be subservient yeah. and it's just all bad, just all bad. Yeah. It's very, very wrong, which is also not at all what harem life was. It was no, of course not. It was not that. It's just rough. It's just real sad. Yeah, I just want to bring up the point that, like, for cinema history, it's an important film. Just like, but yes. just like Birth of a Nation or something like that, it is very problematic. It's, and it's, yeah, yeah. You have to put it in the right context when you. It's, it's <laughs> true, it. right? Like, you, you really do, and it's easier to do with older movies because we're so. We've developed so much in terms of film language that when we see those old movies, we can really see past the veneer and be like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, what the fuck? Yeah. The same as we do with Elvis movies when we see them being like really unnecessarily shitty and weird towards women. We're like, this isn't funny anymore. Like, maybe at the time, this is what was humorous, but now we can see it for what it is, which is just blatant fucking mean shit Mm -hmm. and it's similar with old media like we've got the opportunity to look at older media like the sheik and be like a little more objective about it right nobody's gonna watch the sheik and think that that's an actual interpretation an honest interpretation of middle eastern culture but it gets a little bit harder to do 
the closer it is to the present day. Yeah. So, for instance, films like the animated Aladdin series, which was made in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. It Like, there was very few people, realistically, that could have told you how that was misinterpretation of Middle Eastern culture. They could have said to you, like, well, yeah, it's a cartoon, so maybe there's things that are exaggerated, but they totally dress like that. They like totally dress like that. And that's absolutely what a market looks like in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Like no concept, right? And that happens because of media like the Sheik. It trickles down and takes time to disenfranchise it as normative. Here's a nice segue for another factoid. Okay. So both the Sheik and this movie are included. There's a documentary from 2006 called Real Bad Arabs, Mm R-E-E-L, Real Bad Arabs, colon how hollywood vilifies the people yeah which is all about the history of this so that does a more thorough yeah, deep dive into yeah the, if you guys yeah we're hoping I'm, I'm hoping that the audience is like interested in this kind of concept and like thinking about this kind of concept and there's a lot of great material out there to learn or rather to unlearn harmful yeah. stereotypes about different cultures as they're portrayed in western media it's and all cultures just about every culture is a victim of that in some way or another like native culture um or rather indigenous culture now black culture mexican culture puerto rican culture even like like chinese culture japanese culture all of it it it's all got some ki- western media has its hand in misinterpreting just about every culture in film it's interesting to to look at. And we've we've touched on almost all of them by going through these Elvis movies. We've been <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not a surprise, but it's like, wow, we really have been able to go like that, that, that. Yep. Check, 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 check them all. Yeah, out. pretty much. I think it's because, you know, attitudes about it have been so prevalent and persistent for so long. And, you know, when you're making a big budget movie, you tend to want to treat your work with a little more class. And Elvis is not a big budget movie. These are no. B movies we're talking about. Especially this period, they're chopping budgets left and right. They're paying him more money than they're spending on anything else in the movie. So yeah, yeah, it shows. It shows. It shows. Yeah. Two more points. Okay. Allegedly, some parts of this were shot on the original Cecil B. DeMille sets from The King of Kings from 1927. That's kind of interesting. Which I'm saying, I don't know. Some of that stuff looked pretty rinky-dink. I don't know which parts were maybe the like yeah. the, the big market at the end, like the like or the part where there's actually one shot I actually liked in this movie. Okay. Where we're following our heroes as they're escaping from the assassins, and then the terrible sidekick is doing like a, a wolf howl to call in reinforcements of other like people and it's like a low angle shot and we're tracking with our heroes and then they're all like clambering across the rooftops and it's like at night and stuff oh yeah there was another movie that did that really well that is probably worth watching instead Much of better. watching yeah. this movie yeah i can't remember what movie it was though i've seen that style of shot before i'm just saying <laughs> for a second my my eyebrow raised and i went oh look at that that almost is like hey, is that almost a good shot wow <laughs> Is somebody doing like filmography with the work or something? That's amazing. Which we could, which I guess we can dive into the director. But the last point I just had was that this film is officially listed in the Golden Raspberry Award founder John Wilson's right. book, The Official Razzie Movie Guide, as one of the 100 most enjoyable, I'm putting air quotes, enjoyably bad movies ever made. I don't know. 
hard to enjoy yeah, this Yeah, I mean, it, it is fun to dunk on this movie. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? It's not like, um, it's not like you know, it's not like a C movie where you're like, Jesus Christ, what is happening? You know, it, it's more like a little bit more articulate than that. So it is fun to sit around and be like, wow, it's so bad, yeah. right? I've, and like I've, we've mentioned us, in the past, cause... you know, I run a bad movie club. I've I've watched yeah. many a film that were included in the Razzie movie guide. And yeah, there's some of them that are classics so bad they're good. This one is a bit more. Yes. No, uh, yeah. This is you can questionable. See Even it's being bad is a point of contention. Sure. <laughs> it's how bad this movie is. So let's uh, talk yeah, about the... the writer and director. They're returning. Okay. They're both. I hate them. It's the same people who, who did Kissing Cousins. Right. So Gene Bad. Nelson directs and Gerald Drayson Adams writes. Cool. Uh, Gerald Drayson Adams, this was his final film that he wrote. Good. Going out on a high <laughs> note. Good job. <laughs> the cinematographer is a new guy. We haven't had him before. That probably explains that one shot. Maybe. <laughs> He's Fred Jackman Jr. <laughs> Fred Jackman Jr. Hiram Smith. <laughs> His name is not any dude. But he's credited here as Fred H. Jackman. Oh, okay. He was the cinematographer on Earth vs. the Flying Saucers in 1956. Earth vs. the Flying... Isn't that another really bad movie? Where, like, no, the, you're the flying of... saucers are made of pie plates and shit? No, no, no. You're thinking of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, yeah. That's that right. movie's I am thinking of Plan a great, 9 from Space. terrible movie. <laughs> that one's... Because, like, that one... With the Elvis movie like this, with, with this movie, you can see the Hollywood product of it all. Right. Whereas Plan 9, they were like they were 100% like putting their heart and soul into it. Yeah. And it just happens to be terrible. Those so that yeah, that's that's the best way to differentiate between like just a bad bad movie and a good, and a bad, good movie, bad movie is the intent. And with a with a really good good bad movie, it's they're they're 100% just trying their all and they're just so incompetent that it just doesn't yeah. work. But the Which the, is why like, the room is so good. Yes, right? the, the sincerity because Yes. Yeah. Anyways, which is kind of sad, really. I feel bad saying it, right? Because it's kind of sad. Like, it's funny. It's funny because you tried your hardest and you still failed. That's kind of really mean. Yes. Uh, but I can't help it. That's, of, that's of yeah. enjoying cringe in cringe media, right? It's We're laughing at them because we're laughing at ourselves because he, it's true. Yeah. He was also the cinematographer on 1964's Get Yourself a College Girl. Going back to the beach movies. Can yeah. still keep talking about beach movies every so often. Nice. And this is the last one I've noted. He was a cinematographer on 1977's Viva Knievel, which is the sole time that Evil Knievel was given his own movie, a star vehicle for him. He plays a fictional version of himself. That's amazing. Going and doing stunts. That's crazy. We've got time. I'll talk about sure. it. Sure. Did you know that? So it didn't end up well for him. Did you know that he, there was like this producer that he had a beef with and he beat him with yes, a I did. baseball bat okay i didn't I did. actually know this i don't know how I, I, I missed that i watched a um documentary about him and i learned the whole sordid tale about Yikes. how he like and i i can't remember if he he did go to prison i think so like i think it was house arrest or something the point is that that happened that incident happened like two months after this movie came out and so what little mm -hmm. business it was doing just stopped dead anyways and so yeah and then he was you know just bye-bye yeah so wow yikes yeah really crazy
uh elvis's character's name is johnny tyrone i okay i actually think johnny tyrone is like a is way up there for a name that elvis would have if he didn't have the name elvis presley because he's he's a movie star in the movie yeah so johnny tyrone you know i think is really funny i'd I'd place it in the like the top 10 for sure he's gonna be johnny again next week when we talk about johnny is a good name i think maybe all the johnnies should be like pretty close maybe we should make a separate tier for the top 10 no we've we've we already did our big halfway special where we, we you know yeah. sorted them all but we have to do it again with like double the amount of names when we get to like yeah. the end of this whole and thing. then we'll have to like do math because either we're gonna have to incorporate all those names somehow into the old list or we can add the two lists together and then divide them by two to get the median amount yes we'll figure something out we yeah. put it off. We don't have to think about it right right away. Yeah. There's only nine songs, but it felt like there was Good. more. Yeah, it did. It, I actually don't even remember all of them. Like, I was so... I was, like, getting up and walking away and cooking and The soundtrack album... Else but watching this movie. <laughs> ...has 11 tracks. There was two that were cut yeah. from the final film. Good. Actually, wait. Let me... Because this also directly goes into alternate titles. So... Okay. First of all, I feel like this movie has probably led to many people misspelling harem. Yeah. If they're thinking about harem. Harem? Yeah. Harem, scarum. Why couldn't you just do an E for both? Scare has an E anyways. So harem, yeah. scarem would still work. It seems like everybody was asleep at the wheel when it came <laughs> yeah, to this I don't movie. Know. Even so, the guy who made the fucking title. One of the alternate titles was literally just at least spelling harem right with an E. Right. But scarum still spelled with you. Yeah. It was also going to be maybe called In My Harem. Weird. But here's where the alternate title leads into the first title, the, what would have been the title track. At least it was in Europe because it was still released in the UK as Harem Holiday. Ah, uh, right. That See, yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah. the name of the fucking song. It's the name of the opening song. Weird. Strange. So Harem Holiday. Then we get My Desert Serenade, which is the song he sings in the movie clip they're watching, which is the end of the movie. Then the movie screen fades off bad in like a bad effect and then <laughs> yeah. he gets up on stage and sings another song that's what i'm saying like we have opening titles song we have a song they're watching on a screen yeah. and then he literally is like thanks for coming thanks for watching my movie now let me sing another song and he sings go east young man yeah i actually liked that song i remember that song go east that one's okay yeah then oh yeah he gets drugged at one part and kidnapped and stuff so yeah there's a there's a scene that oh, like it's just hard cuts to him and he's he's waking up and just singing like he's, singing he wakes yeah. up while singing yeah. And then he sings Mirage. Dumb. And then track five is Kismet, which we mentioned. I didn't like that song. That song sucked balls. Yes. Here's my favorite song of the movie. Okay. Shake That Tambourine. I fucking hated that song. You hate that song? That's a, I did. a bit of a banger. I've, I've, I've heard it, I, I, I guess, it. a lot growing up or something. Maybe. I think I've heard it also. I think I've heard it before, but just the context of it, I just really couldn't get on board. Well, I never watched the movie, so I didn't know the context. I just heard the song. Yeah. And I still think it's got a good tune, but yeah, it's pretty dumb. No, I don't like it. It's actually, well, here we go. In the sequence, it's him for the second time since King Creole distracting people by singing while they're getting robbed. Yeah. So that's a little connection there. Oh God, yeah. Let's also talk about the little person. It's the same guy from Roustabout. He's back. Billy Barty. Yes. Billy Barty's back. And while... And he also plays an offensive character. (laughs) Well, I mean... He's everyone. Yeah, he's another white guy pretending to be a Middle Eastern man who steals shit from people. That's a pretty offensive caricature. 
and he's apparently mute or at least he just doesn't talk yeah i was glad to at least see them give him more to do because roustabout he's literally just like set dressing like they use him yeah. for one scene at least he gets to do stuff in this but also it's bad yeah but i was just glad that he i'm, I'm hoping he got paid at least well yeah, I hope so too. And he, like we said, all his best work was yet to come in the 80s when he's in Willow and, and stuff like that. Right, so. yeah. There's the gag where he rescues them and Elvis thinks that he's the guard and so he go, he's going to punch, but then he just punches over because he walks right through. You know what I'm saying? Nope, I missed that. So Billy Barty is, is, is rescuing them. He knocks out the guards. There's a whole sequence where he's, yeah, he's just doing have like a little stealth adventure where he's like sneaking around. There's a shot where there's a guard at the door. Right. And then there's the hallway in the background yes billy barty runs across the guard goes like what what was that and he like kind of takes a few steps looks down gets back into suspicion and as he gets back into suspicion the shot hasn't cut as well billy barty is suddenly behind him like behind like a little thing yeah and then knocks him out um and then there's another dude eating a big old chicken wing like a full freaking yeah drum drumstick and then he throws it into the hallway and then billy barty picks that up and beats the dude in the head with it yeah i did notice that one i remember the chicken drumstick and then he, this is where he goes into the door and they, they hear the doorknob or not the doorknob, the doorknob, the, the like <laughs> latch or whatever, because these are all, you yep. know, friggin', um, and they're like, oh no, it's, it's the guards they are coming in to execute us. Uh, and then Elvis is like, I'll give him what for. And he goes to like punch and he punches, but he punches just air because Billy Barty just walks in. He's very small. Yeah. That's pretty fun. It's an okay thing. Yeah. Visual gag. Yeah. Okay. So what, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the song. Hey, little girl yeah which is that's the exact halfway point of the movie so at one point elvis has teamed up with this little actually, band of vagabonds I, now see i know that song from before this movie yes i've actually heard that song before okay and i haven't listened to it in a long time and i don't remember it from the movie so maybe i'm just looking at my past through like rose colored glasses or something but i remember hey little girl not being a great song but i remember it being fine okay so that, that's like for me that's shake that tambourine for you was like hey little girl yeah like because hey little girl i still don't really like it but like the the phrasing that is cringy which is the hey little girl part was was a slang that people did used to use when they were like joshing around i think with their gal pals like hey little miss Hey, little, you know, sure. whatever the heck. I don't think he's actually writing a song where he's like, hey, child. <laughs> but in the movie. Is he singing it to a little girl? That Yeah. You must have. This must have been a part of the room. You weren't looking asleep. at the screen. So I here's the. fallen asleep. Okay. Yeah. This. <laughs> it's, that's not good. This is. This that's is, bad. <laughs> here's what happens. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. I got to explain oh this now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So. Okay. There is this, so there's the like the troupe. They've got a drummer. They've got three dancers. Yeah. Each named after freaking gems, right? There's uh, one of the names. Oh, right. Uh, Sapphire, Emerald, and Ruby or whatever. Emerald, Sapphire, and Amethyst. There you go. So the dancers, the drummer, Billy Barty's character, which is Baba. Um, yeah, it's so bad. There's Zacha? Zaka? Zaka. He's the sidekick guy, I guess. Yeah, oh, I should have. Yeah, because I'm obviously not paying attention enough to the movie to remember the name. So now I've gotten them written down and I'm writing the, the character name and I'm like, wait, who are these people though? Uh, <laughs> anyways, they're a little true. But then there's also these two orphan children. Whoa, whoa. I am like, I had to Google it because it's bad. What? It's not very good. The The scene where he's singing, hey, little girl. to the Okay, little girl. well, yeah, I was getting to that. I need, sorry, I'm just setting it up. So along with this like makeshift family of vagabonds they have taken in these two little kids uh like a brother and sister 
Yeah. So then the little girl starts dancing. Inappropriately. Yes. Think about the scene from Little Miss Sunshine, the ending of Little Miss Sunshine with the beauty pageant and everything. Right. Like that's a comedy movie and that's played to be like uncomfortable on purpose. But think about them doing that, but like without any sense of irony. And that's this movie. Yeah, that's what's happening. So this little girl's doing her little hip shakes and stuff. And God, she can't be like older than, you know, like 11, 12 or something. Like 10, yeah, 10, 10. or 11. And also, I just want to say I'm uncomfortable with like how high up her leg her i mean okay we're getting into some really kind of sort of icky situation there's an important dialogue happening right now about how girls child girls are portrayed in media with the clothes that they wear Mm -hmm. suffice it to say she shouldn't be wearing clothes in this movie that are like intended for like sultriness you know, like showing that leg in that way with this dance. It's like, come on. From what I remember, isn't it just kind of like a brown rag? It's a brown rag, but it goes incredibly high up Mm. her thigh. There's a cut on either side that goes way up. And she's wearing something underneath, which fucking thank God. But like, that's a fucking person. That's a child. Like, do you really fucking have to, Hollywood? You're so fucking gross. I hate you. It's not great. So the point we're trying to get at is the scene is not great. And and, and now I've seen it. <laughs> now you know. I'm, it's probably ruined the song for you, honestly. They right? really shouldn't have used that song. Like, that is so inappropriate. They wrote it for the movie. Oh, my God. Remember? Like, we're not doing just songs they're plucking out of nowhere. We're back to being written specifically for the film. Yeah. Ruined. Totally ruined. Specifically for the scene. Yeah. I didn't know that when I had first heard this song. I was like, oh, maybe that's just something. I don't know. Nope. I've been had. Yikes. Oh, God. Wait. Sorry. We're not even done. There's two more songs. Okay. Golden Coins. Yeah. Which I remember, like, that's not really what the chorus is. So it's like, why wasn't it named whatever they actually say? Golden Coins is in the lyrics, but it's not like, I don't know, it was weird that that was the title of the song. And then the plot. So the idea is that some bad guy hires Elvis to kill a king. And he uses this, like, newfound little family troop there as leverage. He says, well, if you don't kill the king, we're going to kill these kids. We're going to kill all these people. Right. Elvis can't go through it. He goes, he attempts to... (laughs) I remember the way it was framed, too. Like, he's like... (laughs) He's, like, lifting his hand, like, karate chop formation. Like, he's going to just, like, chop him in half. But then the daughter, who he's met previous, she's like, oh, my God, he's here to kill you. And then the guards take him. Anyway, so we get a scene of Elvis singing in jail again. So that we're back to him in prison. He's behind bars and he's, he sings so close yet so far from Paradise. And that's the last song. I think they sing Harem Holiday again at the end. Yeah, they do. They, they do yeah, at the end. They yeah. do the one classic, just recycle the title track one more time. Oh, wait, right. The two songs that were cut that weren't used in the movie, but they're in the soundtrack. Animal Instinct and Wisdom of the Ages. I haven't bad. heard either of these. They're all bad. They're probably bad. Fuck this movie. Fuck these songs. Bad. Why are we still talking about this? Come on, man. Let's just let's just stop. Let's just let's talk about the let's actors. Just give the people what they want. Yeah, let's talk about the actors. <laughs> it's not their fault. Everybody's got to make a living. So Princess Shalomar <laughs> is played by Marianne Mobley, who played Dina in Girl Happy. Ah. So this ha- this is like a recurring thing where uh, an actress who played like the bad girl comes back for a for another movie and sometimes they yeah. just play the bad girl again but they usually the second time around they usually get more to do or it's an expanded role yeah 
That's just a thing. I don't know. Hmm. Then there's Aisha. She's played by Fran Jeffries. She's only got seven credits. Wow. Played the character of Maria in 1969's A Talent for Loving and Gretchen in the 1964 movie Sex and the Single Girl. Hmm. So Prince Dragna. Yeah. Michael Ansara is actually of Lebanese descent. Oh, really? So he's technically within the geographic ballpark. Right. <laughs> Let's just say. <laughs> Lebanon is within the bracket of, you know. Yes, the area. Yeah, that's all I'll say. That's as close as we freaking get. I had actually yeah. forgotten about One that. One guy. One guy. One guy. He was married to Barbara Eden, oh. who co-starred with Elvis in Flaming Star. <laughs> I had to remember my brain went uh, buffering buffering I'm surprised you could yeah I'm surprised you knew that off the top of your head Matt That's yeah she's the one good. who's also best known for playing Jeannie and I Dream of Jeannie right. which is also a problematic uh, depiction of costuming and stuff <laughs> yeah so maybe the ooh look at that <laughs> it all comes together <laughs> oh no that's right I just remember what he's best known for though he starred as Cochise the Native American sidekick to the main character in all 72 episodes of the TV show Broken Arrow no that's bad. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Moving on to... Who's next? Who's the guy that plays Elvis Presley? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the guy who plays Elvis Presley is the the, for, the shell of a man <laughs> who used to be Elvis Presley is what he looks like. He was born in Kentucky and he died the very day he started this movie. <laughs> Jay Novello plays Zaka. He's got like 205 credits. Okay. In the 1961 movie Pocket Full of Miracles. Right. Which is the final film directed by Frank Capra, hmm. who did It's a Wonderful Life and Meet John Doe and plenty of other classics. You know, like he, yeah. he almost had like a whole style. Like you could say a movie is Capra esque when it has that kind of like gee whiz, like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah. You know what else has that is uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah. This, when we, we're going back to talking about like sincerity and stuff, it's, it's they're very sincere yeah. movies. They're very like. Yeah. People will call them schmaltzy, but like you could tell that like they they really believe it. So, yeah. But here's we get a triple Elvis alumni that appear in 1961's Pocketville Miracles. Okay. And Margaret makes her film debut. Wow. Hope Lang co-stars, and Arthur O'Connell is also in it. Cool. Yeah. I'm happy that a lot of people who are in Elvis movies either went on to or came from movies that were much better than Elvis movies. Yeah, people like Fran Jeffries, who I say she's only got seven credits, and the two na- movies I named, I had no idea about them before. Yeah, that means that maybe this is like her best known thing, and that's the yeah. saddest possible. Yeah, thing. it's a shame. So the king, King Torrenshaw, is played by Philip Reed. This is his final film. He died in '96. Did he do any actually movies that were good? He was in 1947's Song of the Thin Man. Hmm. I'm going to do a little sidebar here we're going to talk about the thin man do you know about the thin man movie series no i I don't believe i do so they're great okay they're delightful this is the last one it's not the best obviously the original thin man though and i think the first two sequels you could argue are like classics but the first one for sure is so they're based on a movies are they they're like murder mysteries oh are they noir yes based on a book but like comedy like more i know this movie i remember this okay yes yeah the thing and the funny thing too is that the series it's like 
the thin man this, the thin man that, but the the titular thin man is not the main character in the first movie. It's the guy, it's like the MacGuffin that they're trying to find. It's a dude who's missing. That's right, yeah. But because most people misinterpreted it as being that the main character was the thin man, that's why they just carried that title. They just roll with it. (laughs) So, um, wait, if you have it open, so it's Myrna Loy who plays the wife, and who's the actor? His name is escaping me. I'm not sure. I don't I thought, have it open. I thought you had it open. I didn't. You said, you were like, ah, oh, yes, I know this. But what were you looking at when you said that? I wasn't looking at anything. I just remembered the thin man was a, a theme in noir film. And then I remembered that I had heard of it. All right. Sorry, man. It's okay. I've got it in a moment. So This is what happens when you believe in me. When you think I know things about movies. I'm disappointed it's every time. for you. <laughs> Uh, William Powell and Myrna Loy are Nick and Nora Charles. Ah. So, yeah, this is Dashiell Hammett. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. And we've talked about Dashiell Hammett before, but we'll talk about him again because I love him. Dashiell Hammett is the reason why noir film, he's one of the titular pillars of noir film. The Maltese Falcon is a Dashiell Hammett book. Yeah, well, he's he's the yeah the source material that noir films based themselves off of yes, were his books. Yeah, and, but also... Dashiell Hammett did work closely with some of the people that were into these films. And the reason why, now you hear this sometimes, that the reason why people talk the way they do in old movies, people will tell you that it's because film was so expensive and to record a movie was so expensive that they were like hammering on these guys to get their lines out as quickly as possible to not waste film. And that actually isn't true. Apparently, Dashiell Hammett was one of the people that would work with people in movies and taught people to speak like that because that was how detectives spoke. They used that kind of quick double talk to confuse and bamboozle the people they were interrogating. So it's not because, I'm sure some of it may have been because they were like, just get through it, we're out of film. But also it was because they were coached to speak that way, which is very interesting. I love Dashiell Hammett. So I've just looked it up and I think he actually only ever wrote one screenplay for film. I'm not sure, yeah. If, yeah, if he wrote only one screenplay, I believe that. But he wrote many books. Yes, yes, yes. No, he's credited in a bunch of movies because based on the novel by, but there's one time he yes. actually wrote specifically, he wrote a screenplay for a movie. I heard that he didn't like it very much. Probably not. I had to write stuff about him in college, and that's where I, I learned some of this information, that he didn't take to screenwriting very well. There was something that happened. It was like, I think it was that he like went through a divorce or something, something in his personal life. I can't remember what it was anymore but yeah no he didn't carry on with movies for some reason something he didn't like about them well specifically the one screenplay he wrote he was adapting another a play by a different person another someone else's play yeah i remember that too and it's a movie that we've actually brought up before it's watch on the rhine the one that won paul lucas the academy award for best actor paul lucas who played maximilian dauphin in fun and alcapoco weird it's all coming together. Produced by Hal B. Wallace, because it's a Paramount picture. Yeah. Or no, it was Warner Brothers. Wait, Hal B. Wallace working at Warner Brothers and Paramount? The heck? He's playing both sides. He's double dipping. I mean, this was back in 43, so I guess he was with Warner Brothers in the 40s, and then by the time he's doing Elvis stuff in the 60s, he's... Right. That's neither here nor there, but... Right. Can you tell we don't want to talk about the movie? <laughs> yeah, we're just like, oh, let's talk about Dashiell Hammett and Nora movies and The Thin Man. Yeah! Yeah, I just last note on The Thin Man, the original The Thin Man, to sell it to people. Yes. Because I think it's one of the best, like, I think it's age, the, the original Thin Man, the way that the dialogue 
is feels very modern. And what it is, is that they almost did it semi-improvisationally. Oh. Myrna Loy and William Powell, they just kind of loosely riffed, just like go with it. So it has a really weird feel. It doesn't feel like a movie from the 30s, how they usually do right. it. There's a very like, I don't know, just like a matter of fact way. There's a scene where it's like after a Christmas party and William Powell is just sat on a couch and he's got like a little uh, pellet gun and he's just popping balloons. And then Myrna Loy's in the other chair. And I know that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just. I've seen it before. Also, they're just, their chemistry is fantastic. And this idea, and then this was, you know, post-prohibition. So every scene they're just drinking like nonstop. It's so good. <laughs> they just got like a line of cocktails and they're just boom, 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 pounding it back. Amazing. It probably has one of my favorite quips where, because at one point he gets shot or he gets like winged by a bullet or something. Yep. And she said, I read you got shot in the tabloids. And he says, that's a lie. I, they never came even close to my tabloids. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some great. Anyways, please watch The Thin Man. If you're someone who's like, I don't like black and white movies or old movies. I think this one. If you're someone who doesn't like <laughs> black and white movies, go die. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, no. Don't there go goes back. all of our audience. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, just watch them. They're fine. It's like reading an old book. This one, too. I swear. This one is like a delightful good time. And it's like 90, under 90 minutes, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just so you guys know, if you get into watching noir movies, especially, but black and white movies in general, you'll eventually lead yourself down the very slippery slope to listening to radio podcasts from the 1930s. And <laughs> what a joy you are in for. My goodness. No, for sure. Now we have to talk about the movie again. Yeah. We've got, we mentioned that Billy Barty is back from Roustabout. He plays Baba. Yeah. There's Sinan. That's the, okay, yeah, he's the leader of the assassins, obviously typecast in villain roles, mostly. He played Felix in the 1965 movie, so the same year this movie came out, he was in The Cincinnati Kid, which is a movie with Steve McQueen, co-starring Anne Margaret and Tuesday Weld. Cool. More Elvis ladies, alumni. Neat. There's Layla, played by Barbara Whirl, who was in Tickle Me. Yeah, right, we just, yeah, we literally were just talking about, yeah, Barbara... In Tickle Me is played by Barbara Whirl. Yes. And I said she was going to be in two future movies. This is one of them. Yes. And she, so she's still got one more to go. Yep, and maybe I'll more. actually remember who she is next time because <laughs> these first two, man, oof. Sorry, Barbara, but I. Yeah, sorry, Barbara. Not leaving an impression. Mm -hmm. Then there's the three there's Emerald, Sapphire, and Amethyst. Amethyst is played by Wilda Taylor, who was Little Egypt in Roustabout. She's back. She was one of the dancers. Which makes sense. And she's got one more movie to go as well. So we'll see her. Then Sapphire was Nancy in Girl Happy, which I think was one of the ladies that one of his bandmates was going after, probably. That sounds right to me. Right. Sure. Gail Gilmore. She's only got 18 credits, but she was also, she played the role of Deborah in Beach Ball the same year as this movie, which is another beach party movie. Really? I couldn't tell. I know. With that title? <laughs> Coming soon to theaters, the sci-fi extravaganza Beach Ball. <laughs> Beach Ball. Emeralds is played by Brenda Bennett. Brenda Bennett was also in the movie Beach Ball the same year as this movie. She played Samantha. She was Luann in Walking Tall from 1973, which we brought up before. 
but mostly is probably known because she was in two different soap operas. She was in 341 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Holy shit. Yeah, as Lee Dumont Carmichael Williams between 1979 and 1982. Wow. And before that, when she was doing this movie in 65, she was in a soap opera of the day called The Young Marrieds. Weird. Yes, that's what The Young Marrieds, a weird title. Weird. The Young Marrieds. She was in 99 episodes of that show. Wow. Powerhouse. I think that's everyone as far as people I wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about, let's finish this off by trashing it some more by reading some contemporary reviews. Oh, please, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just triple checking that we've done everything else. Because, yeah, even we started with the, so we can end this way instead of ending with factoids because we did all the factoids already. Yeah. Reviews. So Vincent Canby of the New York Times wrote in a negative review which I think that was the only kind of review they had for this movie. So they don't think they needed to, <laughs> yeah. it was a little redundant. But um, <laughs> that Presley walked through the film with all the animation of a man under deep sedation. <laughs> but then he had read the script. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, he nailed it. He's got it for sure. Variety wrote that the picture suffers from a lack of imagination in providing Presley with a substantial showcase, mm. which we've we brought this up many times before. If you can't even do the singing sequences good like make it engaging then what the heck is the point yeah what's the point and that's the eight song numbers because yeah there's eight song on screen and then the ninth is the title the, track the title so track. eight song yeah. numbers in the film would probably meet with response similar to presley's past entries which is true because even though this movie is terrible it didn't bomb it made money yeah yeah <laughs> once again the only thing that ever like lost money was wild in the country the good movie because we, we, we live in <laughs> a this is the worst timeline anyways yeah Margaret Harford of the Los Angeles Times wrote, Nobody, least of all Elvis, can bring parody to heel in this effort from MGM, directed by Gene Nelson. Presley isn't Bob Hope, and Marianne Mobley, beauty winner that she is, won't pass for Dorothy L'Amour. Put them together, and you realize right off the bat that Harem Scarum isn't going to be much fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad people agree with us. Yes. And when I was reading all these these quips and zips and these zingers i wrote two headlines myself just because i was yes. having fun with it yeah let's hear it i'll do so i got so here's my second best one okay i wrote harem scarum is a hokum jokum Ooh, pretty good and here's here's i think this is top tier like classic alliteration style stuff sir swivel serves up pure drivel oh very good 10 out of 10 thank you there you go i'm giving this movie two out of 10 giving this one two thumbs down so far down you can't yeah. even see them just... <laughs> this movie gets two straws because it sucks <laughs> oh, ho, ho. this is the this is the straw that broke the talking camel's back is there someone there maybe there's someone there I don't know. which is why it didn't appear in this movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry the talking camel's back is broken Fuck. we can't uh it's not gonna make a cameo in the movie sorry Oh, so final thoughts, wrap ups, is, and we shall talk. Okay, yeah. and next week, like I said, he's playing Johnny again because the movie is Frankie and Johnny. Okay, Frankie and Johnny, which I believe takes place on a riverboat. I think he's a riverboat gambler. Okay, there's some promise there. All right, yeah. I mean, we say that, but we know they're not going to be on an actual river. They're just going to be in a set. Well, a set with maybe a real <laughs> projection, but still, it's at least that sounds like a kind of it's a different setting, and we'll see how that goes. We'll see what happens. Yes. This will be the first time also where he's just Johnny. He doesn't have a last name. Oh, weird. Frankie is Frankie and Johnny is Johnny. That they're just that's them. All right. Okay. Maybe Sounds let's just good. pretend that he's Johnny Tyrone again. Why not? Yeah. 
and that this is the movie that Johnny Tyrone is in. The better movie. Let's maybe. pretend. No, no. Let's pretend it's like Johnny Tyrone, but he's his last movie bombed so hard that he literally quit being an actor to be a riverboat gambler. Yeah, he lost so much money on the <laughs> box office flop that was his Adventure in the Dunes or whatever it was. Yeah, that he just had to run away, and now he's just it's canon. Yeah, trying to make <laughs> to make some scratch on the riverboats. Uh, anything else we want to say? We're done with this. Okay. We've made it. Good. Thanks for joining, everybody. <laughs> Are we stronger? Are we stronger than we were when we woke up this morning? I, I mean, know. it's not the worst, but yes, all said it and makes done, me sad. it's bad. I just, I really hope that we don't watch anything this bad again, and I'm really worried that we're going to. Here's the big question. Is it worse than Girls, Girls, Girls? Yes. You think so? Okay. I was going back and forth on this. I think to properly compare it, that would mean I'd have to rewatch both, and I don't want to do that, so... Let's just say, oh, let's just agree with you then and say yes. I think it's worse than Girls, 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 but I think it's as bad as Flaming Star. And I think Flaming Star might be a little bit worse, but that's because I have some personal attachment that is fair. to why it's so yes. bad. Yes. So, and I know that we have we have Stay Away Joe coming up, so I'm not looking forward to that. And I know that the last movie he does is apparently not very good either. And so, as we're counting down to the finish line, I'm just. I'm nervous that the sad, decrepit state that we find ourselves in recording this episode is going to be nearly habitual in the foreseeable future. And I have, I'm just nervous. I hope it won't. I hope Frankie and Joey or Johnny or whatever the heck, I hope it's funny. I hope they sing some songs. I hope it all works out, man. <laughs> like Morgan Freeman says in The Shawshank Redemption, hope is a dangerous thing. <laughs> Well, let's leave it at that, <laughs> folks. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's Elvis Has Left the Movies. Yes. As always, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. It means a lot. Follow us on Twitter if you yes, please. feel so inclined. We are at Elvis Has Left Pod. And you can follow us on Facebook and find us on Podbean and yes. a whole host of most other Most places, that, services. most services where podcasts can be found. Spotify and all that kind of shenanigans. According to our analytics, our highest percentage of users are getting us through Spotify, I think, which checks out very good okay so if you're on spotify nice shout out <laughs> to you shout out shout out <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> so i guess we better just end it here and say thank, thank you. you thank, thank you, you very much, much.